0: Um, today, uh, if we want to put the uh, slides up, um, I'm going to talk to you about a topic that has tended to be a topic um, when I was a youth pastor. Students would ask me this all the time, but what I've found is that uh, we just get uh, taller and older, but we still have the same questions. And some of you may have always wondered, how do I figure out God's will? And so today... I want to share with you 10 steps that I've taken. Now I'm not saying these are 10 steps in a row from the Bible. They're all biblical, um, but the order that I'm going to give them to you is an order that I've just sort of discovered over time. I'm sure I read them some places. I I found them through trial and error, Um, but um, they have helped me To figure out and discover what God's will is for my life. And so I thought I'd start in a fun way by asking you some questions. I'm going to test your knowledge of some random items, okay? We're going to show the the first item up on the screen. So what I want you to do is I want you to tell me what this is and what its purpose is, okay? So I mean, by telling you what it is, you might be able to uh, answer that question. Yeah, go ahead. Is that a mountain bike pedal spike? A mountain bike pedal spike you said no good guess it looks like a center, center holder, or center holder? Yeah. okay uh no <laughs> but good guess sorry n- no we're not no i'm not attacking anybody i wouldn't have known what it is unless i had the answer so yes in the back uh, uh, the answer track shoe spike Good job. Get us a star by his name. All right, all right. That's okay. Good. I appreciate all you guys being brave enough to answer. Okay. S- here's the second one. We've got four items. What is this thing, or what is its purpose? Shear. Shear. What? Sheer. This ding 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 ding. Boom. Good job. They're tag teaming together. Shear. Sheep shear. Okay. I- I'm not sure exactly how that works, but I guess it's just like scissors, right? Just ching 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 ching. Okay. Number three. Here we go. What is this, or what back. is this for, yeah? A hardcore hard back scratcher for some of you really tough men and women. Something used in the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> good uh, good, good guess. Cultivating fork, nope, good guess. Coal raker. raker, good guess, but no. Hay, no. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Go ahead, show them. A nail rake or nail claw used in a hardware store to draw nails out of a big bin. Wow. All right, final one, here we go. This is the final part of the game, of the, uh, the game time, okay? So, this is it. What is this, or what is its purpose? Jackhammer bit. Jackhammer bit, no. A prosthetic A hinge, no. <laughs> prosthetic for what? A three-toed sloth. <laughs> no, for a three-toed sloth. Very, cl- not close, but good guess. <laughs> but good guess. You always have certain people in the audience that cause trouble. Ushers, watch over the left side of me. Anybody else? Iron Man Claw. Iron Man claw. No. Screwbit. A what? Screwbit. Um, it might actually, it's not really the, the fully correct answer, although I don't exactly know how it's used, so possibly it could be. I don't, I don't think it's used that way, but when I show you the answer, and one any last guess before we move on? Like a, nail puller or a nail puller no good guess let's show them the answer. Chisel, Chisel for leather i don't think they probably put it on a, on a uh, drill to to uh, carve into leather. but uh, see, I stopped too early. sorry, you guys have been doing too many of the good answers, so i don't want to give you all the glory. Um, the reason I show you. Uh, these pictures, besides this, fun, is because when you don't know the purpose of something, it is hard to figure out how to use it correct, correctly. You can try to figure out what to use it for, you can come up with a, a, a purpose for it, but you cannot know for sure what it is. God has created us with a purpose. He has a specific plan for each one of you sitting in this room today. He has things that he wants you to do. He created you just like each of these items were created for a unique reason and purpose. He has created you in the way he created you, inside and out, for a unique purpose. But when we look at each other, it's kind of like looking at these pictures. It's like, I think I can guess what your purpose is. But we don't always know for sure because there's too many options, right? And looking in the mirror at ourselves isn't much more useful than just, you know, uh, me trying to figure out what your purpose is. We can guess, but we can never know for sure. The best way to figure out the use of something is to go to its creator. You know, to go to ask the person that made that, like, why'd you design it? Why it, Why are there three pieces there that stick out? Because the creator knows why they created it exactly the way they did, and what purpose it has. We call God's purpose for our life, God's plans for our life, God's will for our life. It's what God wants us to do or what God does not want us to do. And today, I'm going to talk to you about 10 steps that I've taken um, that have helped me throughout my life at different points to try to figure out what is God's will. Because it's not always uh, an easy question to answer. At some points you think you know, and other points you're like, which way now? Before I get into those steps, I want to clarify some things that will hopefully help you to understand God's will just as a concept. First, we need to remember that God has given us free choice. That means that in many ways, you can choose to do what you want to do or what you don't want to do in life. You can ultimately choose to receive or reject God and all the ramifications that come with that and God will give you the freedom to do it good or bad really horrible choice really good choice unless it is something that will affect his ultimate will for this world then your freedom may be nudged a little bit out of the way. But otherwise, you have complete freedom. Another thing I want you to realize is that when we talk about God's will, we are actually talking about two different things sometimes. And that's what makes things confusing. I describe the two different types of God's will in this way. Uh, The first way, if we could put up the slide is God's uh, general will. This means God's purpose for all people. And then there is the second way of thinking of God's will is God's specific will. God's purpose for your life. Let me give you some examples um, of God's general will in these verses. First one is 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's general will, his will for everyone, is that he wants everyone to be saved. There's not some favorites that he really likes, that he's willing to forgive, and uh, the the other people are kind of punks, he doesn't want anything to do with them. No, his general will is that he would save all people, good, bad, and ugly. Second verse, John one seventeen. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Those two things we need more than anything else. Grace and truth come through Jesus. God's general will is he wants all of us to know Jesus. third verse that gives an example of God's general will is 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-6. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that's holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like pagans who do not know God, and, in, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord, the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. God's general will is that we should be sanctified, that we should become less sinful than we are right now. doesn't mean we're going to be sinless at any point, but we become less sinful. That's God's general will for every single believer. Final example. First Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God wants us to be able to pray, to be joyful, and to give thanks in all circumstances, which is a big request sometimes. But he wants us to be able to give thanks in all circumstances. That is God's general will. Example, again, of God's specific will is God's specific plan for Ian, or for David, or for Becky, or for Devin, or for Kara, or whatever your name is. Those general uh desires, his general will applies to you, but there are specific things that he wants just you to do, just each person whose name I've said that might be different than his will for my life probably is. There's something else I want you to understand about God's will so that we don't get confused before I give you the 10 steps that I want to give you today. There are things that God wants to happen but he is not going to force them to happen. You can think of those as God's will with a lowercase w. These are things that God wants to happen, but he is not going to force to happen. Let me give you an example. God wants all to be saved, right? We already talked about that. But because he's given us free will, he knows that some won't receive him by their own choice. Some will not be with him for eternity. Some will be separated from him forever and ever and ever. And it's not what he wanted, but what he allowed. He's not going to force. Even though he didn't want that, he's not going to force it to happen. Okay. So that's God's will with a lowercase w. Then there are the things that God plans to do, and nothing on earth or in hell will ever stop them from happening. You can think of this as God's will with a big capital W. Example is God's plan is that he will defeat Satan one day and create a new heaven and a new earth and there is no chance in heaven, earth, or hell that it's ever not going to happen. You're not going to find an oops, the devil won. End of story. No, never going to happen. Example of what you plan versus what you want. I would love if everyone in my church, we have a service in the afternoon, if everyone who's a part of my church, I want them all to show up. But I know they will not all show up. And so I plan accordingly. So again, with God's will, sometimes we forget these things. There's these subtle little differences when we talk about God's will. If you want to know God's general will for all people walking the planet, it's very easy. All you have to do is look in his word. You'll see it over and over again you'll see thousands of examples thousands of lessons thousands of stories thousands of instructions over and over and the more you read God's word the more you will know his general will for your life you'll know where to find the answers the good thing about having a physical bible is you can be like I know it was over on this side of the page when it's like when it's like a, a scrolling thing it's like I scrolled down three times I don't know you know You'll know where it is. You'll remember the things you read. You'll know what's right and wrong. And if you don't know God's word, Jesus even gave us a cliff note version of knowing uh, how to understand how to live for God. Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. You know, he silenced the group that they're kind of against. We're going to show him. He's not going to silence us. One of them, an expert in the law, here he is, he's a professional, he's going he's gonna to decide he's going to test Jesus, he's going to stump him, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Because now he knows whatever law Jesus picks, he's going to point out some. well, what about this one, right? Then Jesus blows his mind, because he says an answer that the guy can't deny. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And then, just because Jesus is not thrown off by us, by any person, he decides to throw in this extra thought. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang together on these two commandments. Jesus is basically saying, if you follow those, those two rules in life, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor like you love yourself, you will accidentally take care of everything else the Bible talks about. So that's the way to know God's general will. It's in his word. But I'm here today to talk to you about how do you figure out God's specific will. And I want to do that, and again, I'm not trying to tease you or to keep delaying, but there's uh, a couple other things I need to cover, and then I'll tell you those things. They're sort of my two disclaimers for today. The first thing is that there are some people, maybe some people in this room, who believe are afraid that they missed God's will. And that it's too late for them to do anything about it. And they are tormented by this idea. I missed God's will, it's over. Might as well just wait till the end because I already messed up. Now this is my opinion. You are welcome to disagree with it all you want. Just don't disagree with it right now. You can talk to me about it later. (laughs) But this is what I believe. This is, next slide. I believe that if you are seeking God's will, then I don't believe that you can miss his ultimate will for your life. I am not saying that you won't miss out on some things that you could have done. I'm not saying that you won't miss out on some places that you could have went. I am not saying that you won't miss out on some things that you could have had. You will miss out on some things, some places and some things that you could have done. But what I'm saying is this, I don't believe that if you are following God, that you can miss out on his will for your life. If you're seeking him and wanting to do what he wants you to do. Let me give you an example. The next slide. I went to College of San Mateo for five years. It's a two-year school. I loved it so much, I decided to go for five years. The honest thing is, I never missed a day of school in high school because... I was afraid. I got to junior college and I realized these people don't even care if I show up. I already paid them. (laughs) And so then I'm like, I'm tired. I miss a day. I miss another day. And I I may have mentioned this before. I'm going to mention a little later. I was pretty shy. I don't like attention drawn to myself. I would finally miss so many days of class. I was embarrassed to walk in because the teacher would be like, who are you? Do you go here? And so I just keep missing. Sometimes I dropped the class. Sometimes they would just drop me. This is the crazy thing. I took five years at a two-year school. By the time I went to Bible college, this was the craziest thing. I was the exact person that I needed to be when I got to Bible college after five years of going to the two-year school. I would never have been able to do the things that I did when I went to Bible college when I first graduated from high school because I hated public speaking and how was I gonna be in ministry and everything I did in Bible college if I was still that person. The other thing is I met my wife. I would not have met my wife, Sue, if I went to Bible college straight out of college or even just was efficient and got out in two years. Let me give you an example from the Bible. Abraham lied and said Sarah was his wife because he knew she was very good looking and he thought, yes, sorry. Yeah, lied and said she was his wife. Thank you for catching me. Sometimes my mouth's going, and my mind hasn't caught up with the mouth. Said it was his sister because he figured if if she's good looking, she's my sister. I get rewarded. If she's my wife, I get killed. It was not God's will that he lie. But what happened? God used that stupidity, the bad choice, and God used it to bless him because they're all get out of here. Here, take extra sheep and everything else. This is what I'm trying to tell you. I believe that because God knows the beginning from the end, God is outside of time. I believe that God has your mess ups worked into the plan. God knew that I wasn't going to be <laughs> proficient, efficient, any, any other nice word, and, and I wasn't going to get done right away. Maybe he, maybe you know, it would have been a nice idea, but God knew this guy's going to take a long time because, I, and that's okay, because I, I need to fix him. Uh, I need to make him who he has to be before he gets to this place. So I'll let him stall out. I'll let him goof off. I'll let him sleep in. I'll let him be too scared to show up but I'm gonna work it in the plan so the exact moment that guy walks onto that campus is exactly who he needs to be so that I can make him do the next step that I need for him to do. So I don't believe you missed out on God's will and it's too late. You might have missed out on some things but his ultimate will for your life is still possible. One last disclaimer before I finally get into the 10 steps I've been teasing about. (laughs) next slide. Not all decisions in your life have the same level of importance. Some people think you got to ask God's will about everything. Not all decisions matter. Like how you style your hair, what outfit you wore today. You don't have to ask God. God gave you a brain and hopefully a sense of style. Use it. He's not wanting you to ask him for every little thing. Like you don't, right, You don't. You don't want your kid asking you every little thing. You want them to start taking their own initiative. God wants you to, so you don't have to ask God's will for every little choice. Some decisions don't matter that much to bother God about it. Use your brain. But there are some decisions that have massive impact on our lives, like who we marry, what type of jobs that we take, where we live. Those are all things you ought to ask God. Is this your will? You want me to do this? I was once reading an article in Campus Life <clears throat> magazine. It's a Christian magazine for college students. I don't even know if it exists anymore. I told a story about two guys who were hiking up on a, uh, a trail, up, up a mountain, and um, it really changed the way I thought about God's will. I'd always thought, if God, uh, God's always gonna tell you what choice to make when it's important. And the story changed my mind. This is what it said. There were two guys that were hiking up a path on a clearly marked uh, path. You can show the next slide. And at one point, they get up this, yeah, everything is clearly marked, right? It's like they know exactly which way to go. They get to a point in the path and there is a fork in the road. They're trying to get up the hill. The only problem is there is no sign that says go to the left to get to the top, go to the right to get to the bottom. There's nothing. And so they're just like looking, trying to figure it out. Finally, they just choose one. And they ended up getting to the top of this um, mountain. Later, on the way down, they bumped into a forest ranger and they're like, what's up with the clearly marked path? But suddenly there's a fork and you, you don't say which way to go. And this next slide shows you what the forest ranger said. He said, we only post signs telling what direction to go when it matters. When either road will get you to the same place, then we leave the choice up to you. I think that's how some decisions in life are. When we seek God's specific will for our life, God will only make the choice clear when it matters. Sometimes, not all times, not every time, sometimes. Either of two choices will get you to the same place and God's just saying, just choose. They'll both get you there. Before I read this story, I always thought God was going to say, go left, go right. But sometimes, sometimes, both will get you to the same place and God's just, he's not telling you because he's just saying, just choose. All right, ready for the 10 steps? Finally. Okay, again, these are uh, not 10 steps that you're going to find in the Bible, listed in 10 steps, but they're all biblical. They're all from the Bible, okay? Here we go. First step, number one, to, to discover God's will, is you need to start with prayer and with a relationship with God. You cannot know God's will without knowing God. R- the relationship is the number one thing. Forget every other step I tell you. If you don't have relationship, none of the rest of the steps matter. God does not just give you a plan and say, here it is. Hope you make it to the end. See you at the end. God wants to go through the plan with you. He wants to go through the steps with you. In fact, without him, you can't go down the path he wants you to go. You can't do the things he wants you to do. So without a relationship with him, you're stunted in, in the ability to accomplish his will. Psalm 25, verse 4. David prays. This show me your ways, O oh Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth. Teach me, for you are God, my Savior. Do you see? It's your path, your will. He's asking God, teach me. It's a relational thing. First step: pray. Have a relationship with God. Number two: start with your desires. God will sometimes have already given you a desire to do what he wants you to do in life. All I wanted to do for most of my life, up until those five years I was goofing around at at, uh, College of San Mateo, I wanted to be a cartoonist. I wanted to be an animator. I did not want to be a pastor. I could not, I can't remember if I've told you this before, I could not speak in public. My biggest fear in life was to speak in front of people. In high school, I would literally get an F, I don't care what my final grade is, because I will not speak in front of people because my hands would shake, my voice would crack, my eyes would water, and then because I know everybody can see this is happening, it's like I'm, a, kicks into the next gear and I'm about to die. So like, why would I want to be a pastor? And like, I thought there were like, like, I thought they had to be some, something I wasn't. I'm like, I don't want to be a pastor. But in my late, late teens, I started to think, what if, what if I was a youth pastor one day? Like, what would, like, I'd I'd really like to help teenagers get through, because I went through some crazy stuff, so, but then I thought, I can't speak in front of people. But this desire I'd never had starts to percolate up and just starts to show itself, Check your desires. What is what is your desire? Because maybe that's God's seed of trying to nudge you the right direction. Number three, check your desires with the Bible and in prayer. God will never ask you to do something that contradicts his word. Psalm one nineteen one o five. 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. God eventually did do a miracle and enabled me to be able to speak in front of people. Now, the whole problem with uh, public speaking was not, not that I was like, not afraid anymore, but I could actually do it without dying. <laughs> now that that was out of the way, it got me thinking again. I wonder if I, maybe I should be a youth pastor. And at this point, I couldn't see any biblical reason God wouldn't want me to be a youth pastor. So I kept praying and asking him, is this what you want me to do? Number four, check... Your motives. So check your desires, then check your motives. Why are you wanting to do this? Is it just for your own selfish benefit, or is it for godly reasons? Proverbs sixteen two. Next slide. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, or a woman's ways seem innocent to her, but motives are weighed by the Lord. That's the hard. This is the hard part. You think, uh, just this, no, no, it's nothing selfish, and God's like, oh, really? This really takes prayer and some of the next steps. I checked my motive about being a youth pastor and it didn't seem like it could be anything selfish because I still kind of hated public speaking. I could do it. But like, so why would I want to do this? I wasn't like I wanted to be in the spotlight. That's the last thing I wanted to do or be. Because it still freaked me out. But I just kept praying. I don't think this is, I don't even think this can be me being selfish because I don't really want to do this. So I kept praying and asking, is this what you want me to do? Number five, ask for advice from other believers that you respect and trust. Tell them what you think God wants you to do. Ask them to pray for you. You're not telling them to tell you what to do. You're getting feedback. You're not getting a command from them. You get commands from God, not from uh, somebody else. Ask them, do you think God might be calling me to do this? you think God might want me to do this? And then listen and pray about what they tell you. And also ask many advisors. Proverbs talks about the wisdom of having many advisors. So there's one person's opinion. Get like three, four, five. Because then you start to see a common thing. They're all saying no. And then it's like, okay, maybe if one's no and the rest are saying yes, eh, maybe the one person's cranky today or something, you know, but, or they're wrong. Proverbs twelve fifteen says this, the way of a fool seems right to them, but the wise, listen to advice. Don't be a fool. Listen to advice. Proverbs 20, verse 18, make plans. How? By seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. You are going to need other people's help to help you to see what you're capable of. Because sometimes they can see in you what you can't see in yourself. You're gonna need them to accomplish God's will in the same way like the body, right? Like if I'm gonna pick up this bag, right? And lift it up. I needed my hand, I needed my arms, I needed my shoulders, I needed them. All those things had to work together. If I just chopped the hand off, this is not getting picked up. You may need another part of the body to work in unison with you to actually accomplish the thing is anyway. So you might as well start to begin to ask people and put it out there. I began to ask the elders in our church, the leaders in our church, Me, Scott, the shy guy that didn't even go to youth group because I was too shy. The, The irony of it all, should I be a youth pastor now when I never went? And to my fear, shock, and amazement, they said, I think God is calling you to that. And I was like, oh no. I was hoping they were gonna say like, no, no way, crazy. Number six, see if you have a check in your heart. And I'm sorry, I can only, this is, I just know the Christianese way of saying it. The check in your heart, which basically means You don't have a, there's not peace in your heart about it. God will let you know somehow if it's not something that he wants you to do by having you not feel right about it, you might not even know why you don't feel right about it. Pray about that feeling. Talk to other Christians again. This is my example from God's word. Acts 16.6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. I don't know exactly how, but somehow the Holy Spirit was telling, showing Paul, don't go there yet. There was a check. I can't, something's not right. So I began to pray about whether or not God wanted me to go to Bethany Bible College. It was in Santa Cruz. It was like around for 90 years. I think it closed like six years ago. My pastor went there. I knew about that college and it was close. So I could, um, I had started to help out with the youth ministry. The youth pastor left. That's a good sign. They need a youth pastor. (laughs) Me and a group of people, it whittled down to me and one guy, started youth pastoring. We were just youth leaders because I wasn't a pastor yet, but I was trying to figure out now, should I go to college for this? I told my friends, I told church leaders about it. And uh, I didn't feel a check. At this point, I was scared, but that's not a check in your heart. I'll explain more about that in a second. Number seven, if you don't have, if there's no check at this point, guess what? Take the first step. Now, notice I didn't say run all the way. Just go for it. Just take the first step. Now, again, let me emphasize this. This does not mean you will not be scared. This does not mean there will not be any resistance. You probably will be scared. There probably will be resistance of some kind. That does not mean there's a check. When I've given this talk before, one lady in the audience, because we had a time for question and answers, asked me, when were you not afraid? And I was like, I was afraid the whole time. I was never not afraid. So being afraid is not a check in your heart. It's just you being scared. Which, right, we're scared all the time anyway, right? So whether we're doing God's will or not, we get scared about things. That's not a check in your heart. Let me show you from Acts. Sometimes everything seems against you, but there's no check in your heart. Acts 21, 14, uh, sorry, 4 through 15. Find the disciples there. This is Luke talking, telling the story. We stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. <clears throat> All the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us at, out of the city. And there on the beach we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and, and uh, they returned home. We continued on our voyage to Tyre and landed in Polamias. Where we were greeted, where, sorry, where we greeted the brothers and si- sisters that stayed there. And stayed with them for a day. I'm just making up my own words. Better watch read up there, make sure I'm not adding new things. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied it to his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. There's a lot of opposition. They're even saying, This is what God is saying. When we heard this, we and the people pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking your heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When we would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. After this, we got ready and went to Jerusalem. You see, none of that is a check in his heart. Paul knows there's trouble. They're prophesying what's going to happen. That doesn't mean it's not, he's not supposed to go there. Also, I want you to realize that sometimes, when I say take a step, sometimes taking the first step helps you to see where to go next. You know, if you imagine trying to go across a creek and you're like you're seeing these, these stones and you're thinking, oh, I could go to here and here, and then you get out and you're like, oh my, that was, that was a way bigger leap than I thought. Like, I gotta go back and now I gotta go, okay, now I can leap to this one and I can make it across. Sometimes, as you're taking the path, you realize, oops, I gotta now, but you don't know until you take the first step. You can't, you can't get every step all worked out before you begin. So begin. Good. I thought God was calling me to Bible college. Everybody said yes, there was no check. And so I took the first step and I applied. Number eight, we're almost done. If God does not close the door when you take the first step. Sorry, if, if God does close the door. When you take that first step, start the process over. When I say close the door, it just means that he will not allow you to move Forward in whatever way, direction you thought he wanted you to go. If you've been seeking God's will, then God will close the door if it's not something that he wants you to do. He might be telling you no, or he might just be saying, not yet, you're going a little too quick. I gotta set some things up or you're not ready. They're not ready for you. Don't be mad if God shuts the door. Just start the process over. Keep praying, see what he's telling you. Romans 1, 11 through 13. Paul said, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may mutually be encouraged by each other's faith. Listen to this. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you but I've been prevented from doing this until now in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have had among other Gentiles. Paul's saying, I was trying and the door kept closing. But notice Paul's attitude, but that's okay because now is the time so that I might have the right harvest. If God shuts the door, it's not because he's punishing you. He's saying, not yet, but when the timing's right, it will be best. So if the door gets closed, don't be angry. Say, okay, thanks God. I'm glad I noticed that. Number 10. Repeat the whole process over and over and over. Skip nine? nine? Oh, sorry. I did skip. Good. You're awake. If the door opens, go through the door. Keep going in that direction. If you've been seeking God's will and it's the right direction, he will open the door. If it's something that he wants you to do, he might do that por- by providing for you in some miraculous way, or he might do it by just making things work out. When I applied to the Bible college, I got a certain amount of financial aid. The problem was it was not enough financial aid to go. So I called the church leadership department guy, Bob Cook. And I said, hey, Bob, I wanna come. I w- I'm gonna be a church leadership major, but I don't have, I still, I don't have enough money still. And Bob said, we can, we can give you X amount of dollars. And I said, Okay, cool, and I got to go. That's how I ended up on that campus for that first semester. Number 10, good job, I skipped to it. Now, now we're at number 10, right? And then I just had to keep repeating the process over and over again. Prayer, relationship, my desires, check my motives, ask people's opinion, is this what God wants? I kept repeating the, the process over and over, Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord, whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. I continued to pray. I continued to seek God, and he kept providing for me over and over. He did it through financial aid. Uh, He did it from my mom and my stepdad, giving me money to go there. And he did it in many other ways. Not only that, he developed me as a speaker. I shouldn't even mention this because it's going to tweak your brains, but I'm just going to say it anyway. I grew up listening to hip hop. When I ended up in Bible college, I started a rap ministry. The guy that didn't want to speak in front of people, I had to rap as a white guy rapping about Jesus. Like two strikes out, you haven't even started yet. (laughs) <laughs> I started a rap ministry, we rapped in prisons, we rapped at the boardwalk, we rapped in parks, we rapped in juvenile halls and the crazy thing is, it's like God was building up my resistance to be able to speak in front of every crowd because if you, you, you speak in uh, front of a group of guys that are in prison and they're looking like they wanna like kill you like the whole time and then you're like, you have to learn how to speak and not be afraid. I ended up, my senior year, this is the funny thing, I ended up being chosen one of the senior speakers to f- speak to the whole school. Not because I, it was my plan for my life. Not because I would have ever guessed it. If you would have told me back then, if those elders of my church, when I said you do it, yeah, you're gonna go do a rap ministry, you're gonna speak for the whole squad, be like, oh my gosh, please no. I could not do it yet. But God kept opening doors. And then now I'm a pastor of a church we started almost 13 years ago. And it all is because I kept seeking God. I kept trying to do these 10 different things. So those are my 10 steps. I think I've gone over time, so I need to end because I think there's communion today. Uh, If you have any questions, we can talk afterwards. I'm gonna close in prayer. Hopefully this was helpful for you. Lord God, I just thank you for each person in this room. Lord God, you have a purpose. You have a plan for their lives, God. And you want them to know it. You don't want it to be a secret. You might not show it all to them right now because it'll scare them like it would have scared me but you do want to show them the first step, Lord. And I pray, God, that the things I shared today would help them to be able to discover what your will is, Lord, so they could know your will and follow your will, Lord, and do the things they were created to do. In Jesus' name, amen.